This podcast was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team for the Junior Cycle Talks channel. Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm James Thompson, advisor for Arts and Junior Cycle with JCT. In this episode, we catch up with dance artist Orn Leon. He began Irish dancing at the age of six and has competed in local and international platforms for over 18 years. In 2016, after winning the World Championships for a third year in a row, he hung up his fest shoes and completed his Irish dance teacher qualification. Orn got into contemporary dance in his 20s. He's now a dance artist trained in a variety of styles. He works for himself and creates his own work. He also works for other companies and choreographers for settings like movement research, theatre shows, dance on TV, arts festivals and outdoor spectacles. During our conversation, Oren tells us where it all began, his creative process, reflecting on his work and much more. We really hope you enjoy this week's Arts and Junior Cycle podcast. Oren, thanks for coming on our podcast today. Um, we might start off by having you tell us a little about yourself and how your life in dancing began. Yeah, so um, I was born in Dublin and I've kind of lived between Dublin and then Midlands where my parents moved to. And I think when I was a child, I, I actually wanted to be a train driver or a nutty professor. Or, um, yeah, it's funny how life changes. But yeah, I'm driving some sort of train and I'm creating something even though it's not in the sciences. But I got involved in... Irish dance actually and um, my brother was doing an Irish dance class um, and I wasn't interested in it I wanted to do break dance because break dance was cool so I went to his Irish dance teacher and I said um, to her look can you teach me how to break dance and she looked down at me and she said well I can teach you how to break a leg and at six <laughs> years of age at six years of age this kind of sounded one in the same so I was like yeah sure okay I'll do that and I remember we were doing like our one two trees and our side steps in the first class and I said to her, look, are we going to go to the floor yet? And she said, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. And then I ended up winning the Dublin Championships at the age of nine. And so I realized, all right, well, that's not going to happen. But I carried it on and um, went through different organizations, different schools. And it was always Irish dance that I did. I did it for competitively for a total of like 18 years. And uh, then I think I was doing, I'd finished an All-Irelands one year. And people were asking me, would you be interested in going into the commercial shows, like Riverdance and all that? And I knew that I wasn't really cut out for that. Um, but I said, look, I'd still love to continue on dance in some way. And they said, well, maybe you should try other dance styles. So that was my opportunity to try something else. And so I Googled like drop-in classes and I found a contemporary dance class in Dublin, in Dance House. And from that, it led on to my being in the Dublin Youth Dance Company and Youth Dance in Ireland starts or it kind of goes up until the age of about 25 so I was under the artistic direction of Marion Rabon um, for that time and then she encouraged me to go on to uh, do a master's in contemporary dance so I did that at the uh, University of Limerick at the Irish World Academy of Music and Dance and then because of the masters I got involved in aerial dance and um, yeah so kind of one thing led on to another but I had a five-year plan and I think I got about a year into that because I realized I was following other people's dreams. I did a, a double honors BA in music in Neo Gaelica and I was kind of going down the path of you know, like broadcasting and media and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I wasn't happy doing it. And when I found dance then it was much more suited to what I wanted to do. So yeah, that's where I am now. Wow. That's a, it's a very interesting journey that you've come along. 
how much of it would you say has been directed by others and how much has been more of you finding your own way? I think when I was younger, I was very much listening to what other people wanted from me. Okay. I was listening to their dreams. And then when I tapped into what really made me happy and why I wanted to get up on a Monday morning, I said, no, like these are nice things, but they're not for me. And so when I did find dance, I was really surprised because I didn't think, even though I've been doing it since the age of six, I didn't think that I would go into it professionally. But it just, it sat well with me. And my gut was like, yeah, this is, this is good. So I stuck that out and I decided to ride that wave. And that's a wave that I'm still riding now about six years later. And who, who or what inspires you to push on that wave? Like uh, what makes Oren tick? Yeah, it's not famous people. Um, Because I don't have a a relationship with them. They haven't directly influenced me, even though I admire what they do. But I think it's the people that I've met along the way. And some of those have been artists and some haven't. They're people that have believed in me and that have said, look, if you, I remember hearing once someone said, if you find a, a job that you love, you'll never have to work another day in your life. And that has been really influential for me because I love getting up to do what I do. And when you get up every morning to do that job that you love, where do you get your ideas from? For me, my ideas always come from life. And we always ask those mainstream questions like, you know, where am I going? What am I doing? How do I want to express myself? Uh, So those are the big questions. But then we all approach that very differently. And mine is no different in that regard. But my experiences um, of life to date have informed how I want to express myself. Um, so I think a lot of the concepts that I that I come to are from a, an exploration and a discovery. Uh, I use a lot of improvisation when I'm creating something. So I don't specifically have a plan or a concept. I might have an idea, but until I make that a physical act, I'll never know what it looks like or what it feels like. And then that will inform something else. And so once I find that nugget, then I can start to develop an idea and I can see where that goes. And it might go somewhere or it might not. Um, And then maybe I'll have too many ideas. And then I'm like, okay, I need to edit. I need to cut something out because I've got too much happening and I'm trying to say too much. And all I need is a single concrete idea. And do these things align? And if that's the case, then I'll get rid of the rest. And sometimes all that editing can be a little bit difficult bringing in an outside eye then can be really beneficial you know if you're trying to say something those is that received as you want um, and it's not that it has to be a clear black and white but i think whatever it is that you're saying it has to be clear even in a in a physical way and then you allow the movement to speak in its own way and um, to people whoever they might understand it is that outside eye a friend someone you have a relationship with or is it someone completely objective Yeah, so I suppose I would, uh, if I'm starting a process, I would uh, ask someone to be my mentor in advance or a dramaturg, and uh, I would trust them with giving me feedback. And it doesn't mean that I have to accept everything, but it's just so that they can sometimes ground me and bring me back to where I I should be. So it's always a a professional relationship with one that's quite uh, very much based on trust. 
Okay, and does that trust then come into your work with a choreographer? Like if you had dance movements and, and working with choreographers that tell you what to do, how does that relationship work? They're the boss, you know, at the end of the day, it's, right. it's, it's their vision and you have to respect that. Um, but I guess I've been, I've been quite fortunate that when I've worked with choreographers and companies, they want me not because I have, you know, the, the, the physical ability within my body, um, like, you know, if they ask me to do something that involves aerial dance, it's important to know what I'm doing when I'm in the air. But I think they want me more because I am an individual and, and I bring my own stories, and my own experience. Um, and then I can collaborate with them. If they give me a task, I can put my own spin on things and that I'm not just an empty vessel that you give movement to. And then I regurgitate it back exactly as you want. And I think that makes work really personal. And while it's possible to find a replacement, it's never the same. It's never the same if you bring somebody else in. I remember um, I was in a tour uh, at the start of this year where one dancer at the very end wasn't able to perform. And so for our last show at the end of three weeks, we had a different dancer who ended up being the choreographer. And even though she knew her own show inside out and backwards with her particular energy, it ended up being completely different. And so that really just showed me that um, the people that are, that are involved in a project can really make or break it because you have this, um, I'll use the word synergy, and that can change when someone comes into the room, you know, you're all fun and games and then everyone goes quiet. You know, why is that? It's just the kind of, not to sound too artsy, but it's like the vibes or the aura or the energy that they give off. And so it's really important in a creative process to find that connection where you can really be yourself and really express yourself to the fullest but also trust when they say look I think you might need to edit this or you need to kind of reconsider that um and sorry Oren in terms of editing when do you know when you're done how much can it be edited or reconsidered before you consider it done Ooh, how do you know when you're done I don't think I don't think you're ever really done until you go to the performance. Okay. Um, it's still a journey. Um, you'll still question it. I think that's a very contemporary dance approach um, where you're, you're always refining and you're always trying to deepen whatever it is that you're doing. Unlike, say, Irish dance, where you learn something off it and your body can go into automatic and then you can perform it, you know, at the, the ring of a bell. Um, but when it comes to a performance, even after you do it, then because you have a live audience, you're going to you're going to react differently. Your energy is going to be different. You are going to put on a um, a performative presentation of yourself, and so that will be different than to all those times that you spend alone in the studio or you know with a, an intimate group of your your dance cohort. It says in your bio that you've become interested in objects and concepts of gender and movement. Can you tell us a little bit about that or is there perhaps a story behind your interest in that area? Yeah, so I only realised this when I started to do my Masters in Contemporary Dance. But I started to really see my experience in Irish dance as being a very masculine one and male dancers are told to be loud and you know powerful and there is a certain type of aggression um when you're 
when you're dancing in Irish dance. And then in contemporary dance, all sorts of movement and all sorts of like physical rhythms are embraced. So you don't always have to pack a punch, but you can be soft. And there is no question that, you know, oh, this is girly or that's too manly or, or whatever. But just within my own journey in contemporary dance and postmodern dance, and um, which comes from a very uh, female voice, I started to feel that I wasn't able to be an individual and truly express myself, having come from Irish dance, which was so loud and powerful. And I'm not to say that, you know, women can't be loud and powerful, but just with, I think in the Western world, we associate those traits um, with masculinity and then softness, gentleness, elegance with femininity. So not just not to insult anybody that might be listening, but, you know, those are the the paradigms that I'm I'm coming from and that I'm drawing from. To, yeah. To describe this but i i started to be really in conflict within my own body because i said like i identify as male and i am a male dancer and while in irish dance i always felt like i was never strong enough in contemporary dance i'm being told that i'm using unnecessary movement and i'm being too aggressive and too forceful so how do i find this balance and so i started to explore this more uh, and looking outside of that then you know considering things like in our society um, why is it that we assume that a guy that's sitting with his legs crossed is girly, whereas a girl walking down the street, you know, with this wide gait is super butch? Why is it that um, somebody with hunched shoulders, we can assume that they're, they've either got bad posture or they might be really aggressive and, and threatening? Um, and so questions arose during my master's like, while while sex is, is binary, gender is not. Gender is on a spectrum and it's a construct of our society, of our time and place in the world and where something might be, you know, I think dance in Ireland, certainly when I was growing up, was always seen as being girly. You've got like tons of, of um, African countries where men will dance and it's not considered girly at all, you know. So I think just to address those things, to acknowledge those things and to try and find an understanding within that and me as a mover and how I identify um, is something that I find quite interesting. In the new Junior Cycle P short course, dance and gymnastics is one of the four strands, and it mentions that the process of creating the dance is seen as being equally important as the final performance. Is that something you can, that you can relate to? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that even the the purpose itself is more the process rather than having to exhibit something at the very end. Okay. Because a creative a creative process is going to challenge you and it's going to change you and you're going to go through ups and downs of being creative or not being creative and you're going to struggle when working with the people you like and the people you don't like you're going to have energetic days you're going to have days when you just want to lounge around on the floor and you're going to learn a lot about yourself during a creative process i think a performance is like crossing the finish line of a marathon you know you're taking the step across the finish line and that announces to the onlookers that you've finished the race and they're going to see your exhaustion, they're going to see your sweat, they're going to see your hurting legs, but they're not going to experience your journey. And what I mean by that is not just, you know, the physical running of all those miles, but the training, the preparation, and the awful weather, that tiny hill that felt like Mount Everest that you were trying to get over. That's only something you can experience when you 
do it and you're going to be different after that. I think um, a performance might not seem like much to some people and they can even be underwhelmed because people have sometimes a very basic understanding of dance that it should just be spectacular and just look like, oh, ooh, wow, look what they can do with their body when it's more than that. And for me, you know, having worked with children and teens, they don't see how far they've come from not knowing their right foot to their left thumb and then being able to stand in space and actually hold that space to know that they can go through revelations to understand themselves better, to understand their bodies better, even just to have confidence. I remember working with one girl who was always looking down at the ground and it suggested more than, you know, a misalignment of her spine, but it was it was coming from a deeper place of her lacking confidence. And so we worked on this, we worked on gaze and, you know, looking out. And I remember then when she did perform and she did look out at the audience, her mother said like, wow, I haven't seen my daughter do that. Uh, I think teenagers can be very conscientious of their bodies. They can be very insular. And dance is something that can offer that through a creative process to really allow them to become their own and to, to own the space, not to become, to become arrogant, but that, all takes time it takes commitment it takes energy and that's only going to happen within a creative process it's not going to happen just by a performance you know so the more time you spend leading up to the performance that's more beneficial i would say than the final show and if i'm a young dancer and i'm raring to go how do i know if i some it's something i should pursue professionally or if this is just something that needs to stay as an amateur kind of a hobby kind of thing I think you need to ask yourself what's going to make you happy. Some people do what others tell them. And some people, I think, take the safe road. You know, they want that um, financial security. They want the nine to five and Monday to Friday. And then they get there and they realize I'm still not happy. I mean, that was me when I was you know, in my early 20s after I'd graduated from my undergrad and I wasn't happy. And I'm like, something's missing. What's missing? And it ended up being dance and I was spending more time and even money on it. And yet I was so happy to get up at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning to train. And so I think people, if they trusted more in their own heart rather than what the rest of the world tells them that they should do to have a wife and kids and a house and a career by the age of 30, they'd be a lot happier and they would follow their dream because everybody has the potential to be incredibly creative. And everybody wants to express themselves in some way. So rather than holding people back from doing that and fearing, oh, will they be stable in life? I think the coronavirus has shown that nothing is stable, nothing is permanent, everything can change in a day. So you might as well do something that you enjoy, something that makes your heart sing in the morning. And one last question about your kind of your performances and your work. I would imagine reflecting on performance is very important. What does that look like for you? Like, do you switch on a video of your dance or is it just based on your feelings afterwards? Or is it choreographers telling you, giving the feedback? Let me think about that one for a little moment. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to get like artsy fartsy about the whole thing, um, but they're very personal questions that I ask myself okay. um, when I reflect, you know, like, why do I do what I do? Why this particular choice in a creative process? Did I say what I wanted to say? Or does my work say something else? Or does it have to say anything? Is it open for interpretation? I remember when I did my MA thesis, which was part written, part performance, everybody, I was quite serious about my my performance. Uh, I was looking at the different versions of me, the Irish dancer me, the contemporary dancer me, the, the Dublin me, country me, and just showing little vignettes of who I was. And even though I was very serious about it, and even though it was autobiographical, most people in the audience were just roaring out laughing, which was totally fine if that's the reaction that <laughs> it, it gave to them. But there was one girl that was in the corner and she started to cry. And I went to her and I said, look, um, it wasn't meant to be a funny piece, but everybody else sounded amusing. But why is it that you were crying? And, and she said, you reflected something in my life that I just, yeah, I just, um, I found it quite emotional. Um, which really made me take a step back because here was me just trying to give a non, um, just a very matter of fact, this is me, this is where I've been and this is where I am now. And yet she saw something so much more within that and then everybody else saw a comedy. And so I think if art has the power to, to change people and make people reconsider how they see the world, even though it's my story, then it's worth sharing because art should have an impact and it should cause a reaction even if that makes you angry and you feel like oh this is stupid it doesn't mean anything it's like well it might not mean something to you you know a dot on a page but that dot on a page could be the japanese flag yeah i agree with you there about art causing a reaction it can be very powerful depending on what way different people see it i'm just thinking back to that performance that was part of your thesis how long ago was that? Uh, I did that in, so I did my final performance in 2017, September 2017. And just in that class that you're talking about there, how many people would have been in the class with you? There was nine and we were all from a different country. Um, wow. From as far away as Costa Rica over to the west and then um, Tehran, Iran in the east and everywhere in between. So yeah. Quite a mixed bag. And I would imagine the dance looked quite different then, did it? It did. We did a lot of group stuff together, um, which was interesting because you're not only trying to discover new bodies and work with these people, but they also come with their own stories and their own cultures. And so, yeah, within a creative process, there's a lot to negotiate and you have to do this in a professional way, but also with this, I suppose, there's an intimacy that you have to go to in order to get there. That actually brings me nicely on to one of my final questions. During the lockdown, social media has been filled with dancing videos from all over the world. I'm sure you've seen tons of them. In your opinion, is that a good thing or a bad thing for dance? It can pique your interest. Certainly if you're a young person and you're curious about taking up dance or you want to learn some cool moves, and then I would use it for, for promoting dance. Um, and social media is great for advertising and saying, oh, yeah, this performance is going to happen or this is where I am or this is who I'm working with. But I do have a slight pet peeve with it because I think people, they often just see it as entertainment. And, 
you know, people have told me during lockdown, oh, you should post videos. And I say, why? It's like, oh, to see what you do. And I'm like, okay, pay me. And they're like, mm, why would I do that? <laughs> and I say, well, look, you know, if you're a plumber, I don't ask you to fix my sink. Or I'm like, oh, yeah, would you mind writing me a prescription? Um, I know that you're a doctor. I don't do that because I value and society in general values other people's work. But for some reason, we have this understanding in Ireland that culture is free and that you shouldn't pay for it. And you do, because everything that's man-made costs money and every other sector has money. But for some reason, artists tend to be the first ones to be abused when it comes to wanting freebies. Um, and then their situation, of course, isn't helped when you have one or two that decide to post stuff for free. One yeah, of my mantras okay. is to pay the artist properly. Now, Orin, just at the end of the podcast, we have a few quickfire questions for you. We'd be grateful if you would answer as many as you can, as quickly as you can. First up, what is the best dance performance you've ever seen? Oh, best dance performance. That's really hard because I've seen so much stuff and each one has so much to offer. But ones that use technology is really cool. Like there was this one where I saw there was a camera on stage. And so you're seeing it from the stalls, but then they're showing you a video that's being projected on the back screen from their angle, uh, which is really interesting. I love stuff where there's an audience participation, like Fidget Feet did a piece called Bingo Wings, where you could actually play bingo during the show. Uh, that was, yeah, that was really cool. Favorite dance form? Uh, oh gosh, these are hard questions. Uh, yeah, so there's so many different styles. Um, I love Ariel because it's like such a, a spectacle. The Irish dance rhythms are always going to get you moving. Uh, dance theatre is really cool because it's a mix of like theatre and dance. Favourite dance venue? Oh, favourite dance venue. I'm probably going to say the Abbey Theatre only because they don't always have dance there and it's the National uh, Theatre of Ireland. You've mentioned this already. If you weren't a dancer, you would be, I think you said a fireman, Jeff. I would be a train driver or train a nutty professor. Okay, brilliant. Worst dance injury you've had? Oh, gosh. That would definitely have been my shoulder dislocation, which I needed surgery for back uh, last November. Okay. Proudest moment of your career? Uh, it was actually my first contemporary dance class. It wasn't big. It wasn't anything that anyone else noticed. It was the first time where I felt really right. Uh, I call it my little moment of enlightenment pre-performance routine is there anything strange in there i would often go onto the stage alone um when the curtains are closed and i would walk through the entire piece um and just envisage myself being in the performance and then i take myself away from that and i sit in the seats in the audience and i look at the stage at the empty stage and i imagine what would it be like watching me Okay, Oren, thanks so much for joining us and taking this time out of your day to join us on Arts and Junior Cycle podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast, which was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team for Junior Cycle Talks podcast channel. To hear more from Junior Cycle Talks, search for us on SoundCloud or anywhere you listen to your podcasts.